everyone needs a pastor. A Visit to the Pastor's Study brings biblically faithful pastoral ministry to you and pastoral ministry from those with proven experience in Christian service. Our time together will be lively, sometimes controversial, always useful, and never dull. Welcome to the study of Pastor Bill Shishko. This is Pastor Bill Shishko here with you. It's great to have you with us for another visit to the pastor's study. During my college years and for the two years I served as a teaching assistant in the Western Civilization Department, we called it History of Civilization back then, I reflected a lot on the differences between a secular approach to college curriculum and the approach of Christian colleges like the one that I was attending. My wife and I both went to the same Christian college, and we continued to work through these things as we tried to steer our six children through their own college choices and their own college experiences. Now, there is, of course, the fundamental principle that Jesus Christ is Lord of all knowledge because, well, knowledge is obviously a huge part of the universe over which he reigns as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The Word of God calls Christians to bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, but what does that actually look like as we scan the the vast array of subjects taught in college history, science, technology, philosophy, music, art, communications, business, law, medicine, and so on, and with multiple divisions of each. What does it mean to see all of these things together in the framework of the fear of the Lord, heart reverence for God as the beginning, the foundation, and the primary part of all knowledge, wisdom, and understanding? Now, a couple of things struck me as I reflected on these things. I don't know why these particular things stood out in my mind, but they did, and they still do. One, is the shift in secondary education from history, geography, and civics, the study of government, to what we now call social studies, that shift, well, that came at the beginning of the 20th century, and coincidentally, that was at a time when schools were moving away from at least a formal commitment to historic Christianity. History, geography, and civics are, for want of a better word, objective things that had their source in God. God is the author and governor of history. God is the one who made the world in each of its distinctive areas. God is the great lawgiver and king from whom all governments derive their just powers and to which proper respect is to be given because they are powers ordained by God. Social studies turn the emphasis from God to man. Man not God, became the reference point, something you see very clearly in fields like sociology and psychology, which became specific fields of social studies. And without delving too deeply into what is really a fascinating study, this led to what we call relativism. There aren't absolute truths with God as their source because humans— human feelings, human ideas, human morals, and social groups became the focus. And because humankind is constantly evolving, according to the modern way of thinking, there are no absolute truths, but only 
personal or social constructions, things which may and will change over time. Well, that led me to the second thing that still stands out in my mind, particularly as we think of higher education. And with this kind of worldview, well, technically there are no universities, but rather multiversities. A university assumes a universal, which means literally all things revolving around one. Now, that one, of course, is the one true and living God. But today, Secular education revolves around man or humanity. Each person is unique, and humankind is constantly changing, again, according to the modern way of thinking. And therefore, when we think of secular schools of so-called higher learning, well, we really should be speaking of multiversities, all things revolving around the many rather than the one. Now, well, there's almost limitless implications of all of this. The whole subject really is enough to make anyone dizzy, and it would be interesting to see how this uh, rather confusing way of looking at the world plays out between the different educational departments and secular schools, but that's not, that's not our topic today. Given that God is one and is also Trinity, the three-in-one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and Given that this triune God is the creator and governor of all things, including knowledge, how do we develop education which is rightly related to this triune God, seeking to find a unity to all knowledge, as well as seeking to understand the relation of that unity to the many distinct and diverse fields of knowledge? Now, that's, the, that's really the big challenge of developing a truly Christian college curriculum, and that's that's what we're going to be exploring on today's a visit to the pastor's study, the Christian College Curriculum. Now you're going to you're going to need to put your your thinking caps on again. But if you're a parent thinking about college for your children, and you should be doing that, or parents with children in college, or if you're a college student yourself, or a student thinking about college, well, this program is particularly for you. My guest today is to be Dr. David Corbin, Vice President for Academic Affairs at Providence Christian College, overlooking the beautiful San Gabriel Mountains in Pasadena, California. Dr. Corbin has taught political philosophy, American politics, international relations and politics, and politics and literature at the University of New Hampshire, Boston University, then for over two decades at the King's College, now located in New York City. He graduated magna cum laude with a B.A. in political science in 1993, earned his M.A. in political science at the University of New Hampshire in 1995, and received his Ph.D. in political science from Boston University in 2005, and he is a member of the Phi Beta Kappa Society. Dr. Corbin's fascinating life has included everything from serving a term in the New Hampshire State Legislature and running as a candidate for governor of that state, to writing books and articles on ancient and modern politics and government. He is a Christian who is committed to historic Protestant and Reformed Christianity, as is Providence Christian College, and his passion is to develop college curriculum in which each part demonstrates faithfulness to the Bible as the inspired and inerrant Word of God, and in which the whole reflects the unity of God, who is the source of all knowledge. 
Uh, so we have a thought-provoking time ahead of us on today's visit to the pastor's study. Now remember that this program invites you and encourages you to visit the pastor's study by way of your phone calls or texts. So if you want to be on the air as part of the program, just call 631-955-5400. Again, that's to be live on the air, 631-955-5400. Or you can text your questions anytime during the week, but particularly for this program, at this number. This is, again, for text questions. Text them to Pastor Bill, 516-367-0391. For Pastor Bill, 516-367-0391. 0391. And even if we don't use your text questions today, we will do everything we can to get them into a future open forum. Well, Dr. David Corbin, Vice President for Academic Affairs at Providence Christian College, is to be our guest. We're having some technical difficulties reaching him, uh, but we're going to work on that as you hear this message from the voice of a visit to the pastor's study. It's not enough to listen to pastors on the radio or to watch them on television. Everyone needs a biblically faithful pastor, and everyone needs a biblically faithful church. A visit to the pastor's study is a ministry of the Orthodox Presbyterian churches in the metropolitan New York area. We're no substitute for a faithful pastor in a local church, but we are a supplement. Visit our website, www.visitthepastorsstudy.org, and you'll find the ministry of this program Extended right to your electronic device. Here you'll find archives of past programs, a weekly message from Pastor Bill's Pastor's Post, helps for pastors, helps for congregation members, material for officer training, and much more. That's www.visitthepastorsstudy.org. And we also invite you to contact the host of this program, Pastor Bill Shishko. You can email him at visitpastorbill at gmail.com. He'd love to hear from you so that he can bring his pastoral ministry to you personally. That's visitpastorbill at gmail.com. Remember, everyone needs a pastor. And now back to today's edition of A Visit to the Pastor's Study. Uh, through the wonders of modern technology, our, our, our issue has been corrected. What a, what a privilege now. Dr. David Corbin, Vice President for Academic Affairs at Providence Christian College. Welcome to A Visit to the Pastor's Study. Pastor Bill, great to be here this morning. Sorry about that. Uh, in, nor- in Northern California with a different carrier plan. Oh, yeah. okay. But, but here now. Uh, very great. good. Better late than never. Dr. Corbin, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you, how'd you become a college professor? Well, I came from a family of teachers, and it would have been natural for me to become a teacher, but I, I never really thought about uh, being a professor in and of itself. I, I thought I'd go into law. My family was always interested in politics. And then I just had this great college class, freshman year, right around this time, some 30 years ago, and uh, I was amazed by uh, this thing called the life of the mind, that that a teacher could open your eyes to it at the college level, and um, wanted to do the same for others, and and then just kind of went on the path uh, to become a college professor. So that's how I got here, yeah. Now, you're... Well, your educational pilgrimage, <laughs> that's been like a travelogue. You've, you studied and taught in New England. Then you came to New York City. Now you're on the West Coast. Talk to us about the differences that you've seen in, in secular public universities, secular private universities. You may even want to speak about community colleges. And then 
between a Christian college in New York City and a, and a Christian college on the West Coast. Wow. Yeah, it's a lot of experiences, but it's been great as you get to see a different a type of student, different type of environment. I went to school at the University of New Hampshire. I grew up on Lake Winnipesaukee uh, in New Hampshire. So that would have been a natural for most people in my public high school to have gone uh, to UNH. And that's where I, I became kind of open to the life of the mind. And um, there I was raised Roman Catholic in New Hampshire, as many people. And um, you didn't go to church and, and didn't really think much about church. If you were asked basic questions about God, you'd say yes, and you'd cross off all your boxes. But uh, that's a very different um, world uh, when you go to a place like the King's College or you go to where I am right now at Providence Christian. Um, it's not simply, as a faculty member, having a Bible out on your desk to alert students that, you know, there is a believer in your midst. It's, it's a community of, of individuals who, uh, together, you know, under a confession with an idea as to uh, why they're doing what they're doing, um, really try to work in an integrated way uh, to make sure the education experience is an excellent one, and, and one that's a godly one also. Now, you, you, Dr. Corbin, have used the phrase a couple of times, the life of the mind. And many popular views of Christian education today are that Christian education essentially is mindless or vacates the mind. Um, if you could just for a moment comment on that. Sure, yeah. I When I was in high school, I was bored. I thought that um, education was simply checking off boxes, doing homework that I had to do, I didn't see its relationship to, to anything bigger than myself, maybe getting on to the next grade, finishing the next assignment. When I talk about the life of the mind, it, it's really kind of an expression um, that uh, tends to both you know, Jerusalem and Athens, the recognition that we have souls, that um, our souls are going to be bent in one direction or another, and the way that our mind appropriates things turns us in one direction or another. Uh, so you can read a lot of boring material uh, that um, makes your soul more soulless or flat, or you can read things that make you come alive and make you see uh, the reality of, uh, of your life in this world. Um, and those are the, those are the books that, that I've read that have been most encouraging to me, and they're the books that I've used as a teacher that I think are most encouraging in the classroom. We have to, we have to awaken um, 18-year-olds, 22-year-olds to this, bigger picture of what life is uh, in, in God's meta-narrative. And so that, that's, that's what I mean by that expression, yeah. Now, at what point, Dr. Corbin, did you come to active faith in Christ, or were you brought up in a Christian home, or, or where did, where did your, your, your conversion to Christ enter into this? Yes. So as I mentioned, I was born and raised Roman Catholic. I went to graduate school at Boston University. I, I met this man named Angelo Cotevilla. I happen to be at his vineyard right now in Northern California. Uh, Ph.D. student at PU, and he said, where do you go to church? And I said, I don't go to church. And he said, why? And he said, do you believe in God? I said, yes. Do you believe he's great? I said, yes. Do you believe he's all-powerful and all-good? I said, yes, yes, yes. He said, Corbin, you seem like a smart guy. You say that there's a creator God who's providential over all the world is good, but you can't find an hour to worship that God? And that, to me, was a wake-up call to me. Interesting. If I believed all those things, but I couldn't spend an hour worshiping that God, then there was something wrong with me. And I think that was the, um, the beginning of a pathway where, you know, it's not just enough to have a skeleton of a faith, but I needed to have it fleshed out. I needed to meet people who had that faith fleshed out. And 
and befriend them and get to know them and, and then through them, you know, get and, and the you know, blessing of the Spirit to get to know God. That, that, that's kind of how I would explain it. Yeah, that's fascinating. I, I've often thought, Dr. Corbin, when, when Paul, be, the Apostle Paul, begins uh, the, in chapter 12 in his book of Romans, of course, he's writing under the inspiration of God, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present you present your bodies, which includes our minds, uh, as living sacrifices, wholly acceptable unto God, which is, and, and the original language says, which is your logical service. And it seems like that that's what God used. It, it's only logical to worship the God that made us. Amen. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> so well, true. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay, if you can answer this one briefly, and <laughs> none of these things really you can answer briefly, I guess, but from your vast experience in the secular and the Christian college world, what would you say is the state of higher education, college, university education in the United States? Flat, uh, self-directed, self-centered, uh, an emphasis on career rather than our placement in God's universe. I think that's where a lot of people are in higher education. What can this do for me rather than how can I come to know the world that's created, that God's created better? And I think that's that's the unfortunate yeah. thing at most institutions. Yeah, I, I wondered if you'd say something like that. That's why in the monologue I, I mentioned the shift from uh, history and geography and civics to social studies. And, and also that term, um, I, I may have read it in other places, but I at least have used it for years, multiversities instead of a university. That's pretty much what you're saying, right? Right, but that multiversity is in itself a falsehood. It's all the same, um, you know, bad fast food that they're giving kids in actually really nice dining halls that has little to do with us doing what we ought to be doing when we're using our minds, which is trying to understand the glory of God and His creation wow. in a greater way. Wow, wow, fascinating. Okay, so okay, so you go from, oh, you went from New York, you went from Manhattan uh, out to the West Coast, to Pasadena, to Providence Christian College. Um, what made that school appeal to you? Especially because you're not a West Coast guy by your background. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. I, I, I think it was just the, the challenge of, of trying to do something kingdom-oriented on the West Coast. Uh, as an East Coaster, we always, like, everything good is on the East Coast, all the intellectual stuff is on the East Coast, and, and uh, there's some truth to that, but, but there's a lot of you know, great things to be had on the West Coast and great people out here, and I just saw that there was a great collection of Reformed people here on the West Coast who are doing something entrepreneurial, wanted to put together an excellent curriculum, I just wanted to be part of that. I just thought it would be just an excellent, excellent opportunity to do something for God's kingdom here on the West yeah, Coast. That's great. And when we say Reformed, we're talking about that branch of, uh, of Christianity, of Protestant Christianity, uh, that's often associated with John Calvin, that part of the Protestant Reformation with its emphasis on the sovereignty of God and God's uh, saving his people sovereignly and his dealing with them by covenants. That's probably for one of our open forum programs. We're dealing today, we're talking with Dr. David Corbin, Vice President for Academic Affairs at Providence Christian College, a school that we'll be hearing more about in a few minutes. If you'd like to call in with your questions about 
about Christian college curriculum, you can call WLIE 631-955-5400, and uh, you'll get right in the air to have your question asked. Or you can just text your question if you're more comfortable with that. Text it to Pastor Bill at 516-367-0391-516-367-0391. And we'll be back after this message from The Voice of a Visit to the Pastor's Study. That great city, New York. Metropolitan New York is the largest city in the United States. And with a population of over 20 million people, Metro New York is one of the largest cities in the world. And what's more, Metro New York is home to people from every nation of the world. To reach Metro New York is to reach the world. But churches faithful to historic Reformation Christianity in the Metro New York area are few and far between. The mission fields of Metro New York are America's richest and most neglected. Reformation Metro New York is an agency by which the Orthodox Presbyterian Church is planting and developing biblically faithful churches and church ministries in the Metro New York area. Through Reformation Metro New York, you can help promote the outreach of this program, a visit to the pastor's study, and other projects designed to further the ongoing reformation of the church. That and church planting are the great passions of Reformation Metro New York. For more information, check out the website at ReformationMetroNY.org, where you'll get a personal look at the ministries of the churches, pastors, evangelists, and teachers of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church in the area, and you'll learn how you can be a part of our labors. We need your help. Here's the site again, ReformationMetroNY.org. Thanks for your interest and your help. Remember that great city, New York. To reach Metro New York is to reach the world. Now back to today's edition of A Visit to the Pastor's Study. Our guest today is Dr. David Corbin, who is Vice President of Academic Affairs at Providence Christian College in beautiful Pasadena, California, talking about Christian college curriculum. If you'd like to call with your question, 631-955-5400, or you can text your question at 516-367-0391. You can text questions anytime, 516-367-0391. Dr. Corbin, tell us, I'm not going to read it in Latin because I would probably mispronounce it, but but the motto in English, I know, is in Christ all things new. Where'd that come from? What does it mean? Now, and how does that bear on the curriculum of Providence Christian College? So our, our, our name, Bill, is, is Providence, and we believe in God's providence over all things, and and in particular, um, Christ's redemptive work uh, coming into this world, making all things new in His work, uh, that His sending of His Son uh, to us because He loved us so much, uh, means that um, if we are following in Him in the Spirit in helping to redeem the world that we live in, uh, that we're doing uh, what He would have us do. And, and I think that there's an educational element to that, because yes, as you mentioned before, logically we want to understand the world around us, but for our, our own simple mastery of it, um, simply to get a credential or to get a name for ourselves, to be honored, or to do something that's God-honoring. So um, if, we, if we think of Christ's presence in this world and our identity in Him, then I think that we, we as a college are, are, are moving in the right direction in how we work 
how we educate, et cetera. So uh, am I correct that you, you, with your students, let's look at it from that perspective for a moment, you're going to start with them, they profess faith in Christ, their, their union with Christ, and they're meant, they're meant to look at everything in life from the perspective of their, of their union with him, right? Yes, exactly. Okay. The, the things that you wouldn't normally consider to be um, part of, of that which, uh, which God has sovereignty over, uh, every inch of this world that he has sovereignty over, whether it's traveling in the mountains of California or going to an ocean or uh, looking in a laboratory at something, everything is his. Yeah. Even visiting so, a vineyard. Yeah, even visiting a vineyard, yes, picking <laughs> right, okay. grapes. Yeah, the, the, yeah. I mean, the, the metaphors that fill the, uh, the Bible... Um, uh, both Old and New Testament, with his sovereignty over all things, uh, really encourages us to be very excited about that creation. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, It's great. Yeah. Yeah, Sure. Um, Dr. Corbin, college students, they come from all different cultures and backgrounds, particularly on the East Coast and the West Coast. Is there really a core curriculum that students should be exposed to regardless of their backgrounds? I think so. I think this is what we've seen in the success that the classical Christian movement has had, the classical Christian model of education. I think that the human mind does actually um, transform itself into uh, a, a better working unit when it works through grammar, logic, and rhetoric. Okay. And I think that there are courses that you can place in any given curriculum that are emphasizing you know, that amassing of... Um, points of reference in the world, the connecting of those points of reference together, and then the speaking of those, speaking to those intelligently from an understanding of how they fit together. So that's how the mind works, and that's no matter what your culture, when you begin to explore God's world through that um, trivium method, I think that you explore it best. Yeah, so you're, you're actually building on what's become very uh, popular in, in many home schools is the, is the more classical educational model that you're building on for, for college, right? Exactly. I mean, I think that you see it in the students who come in who have kind of had some experience no. in that model, that they're just much better able to, um, to kind of make their way through difficult material. Yeah. But everyone can do it. I mean, I have many first-year students I teach in the classroom, and once you show them uh, the, the movement from grammar to logic to rhetoric and how they write, how they think, how they read, mm-hmm. They get it. I think it's the, it's the way that God made our mind. Yeah, it's like the alphabet of higher education, right? Yes. Oh, yeah, excellent. We have a call from Larry in Pasadena, California. Hey, Larry, welcome to a visit to the pastor's study. Well, thank you for having me. What's on your mind? I have a couple mind? of questions okay. that I'd like to run by uh, for David. And one is, given the fact that God is, is the center of all that we ought to be doing, how do we not just integrate, but how do we really relate different disciplines to each other within that? Because education tends to be so atomistic, given, all, given certain areas, and that's all, all people think about. And the other one should, what should a parent or a prospective student look for as they look at a college to determine how they are really doing all of this sort of wow, thing. Wow, those are great. Thanks, Larry, for the question. We'll let you listen on the air. And uh, Dr. Corbin, we're, we've got about uh, three minutes left till our break. Why don't you deal with the okay. first one first? Sure, sure. So I, I think, let me go from where I stand. I, I teach 
politics, philosophy, history, and economics. Politics, from the first understanding that God is the creative intelligence of the world, is something very different than if you don't believe that. The same thing with philosophy, the same thing with economics. If politics is, is a godless politics, then politics is a soulless politics, which means that our leaders can treat those who are led like their servants, or our servants, or, or excuse me, regular people can live like grazed animals. But if we are made in the image of God, politics, the art of rule, right, ought to think in terms of what God's sovereignty is, think in terms of what good statecraft is. Likewise in philosophy, a philosophy that is godless might, might um, encourage you to think that you can know everything, know every mystery, and the arrogance that comes with that, or that there is no knowledge, that everything is relative. But a philosophy that recognizes that God has created the world is, is such a, a more um, fulfilling philosophy. It's a love of wisdom in which you try to align what we can know with our, our knowledge that God is all-wise. Likewise with economics, and economics that is godless, believes everyone can get what they want, everything they want, or that everything is a zero-sum game one. God has made us good economic stewards to think about our responsibility, to think about our work in a certain way. And our earning things and doing things well can benefit others, can lead to the benefit of others. So that, that's the discipline that I work in, where I, I see that that integration of uh, recognizing God's sovereignty plays into how you teach these very important subjects. What about in technology? I know that's not I your think field, it's a, but uh, yeah. how do you relate that to the, I mean, related to the sovereignty of God, people are trying to make technology sovereign. Exactly. What they do is they make technology an end in itself rather than a means to God's end. Right? And it can be a means to, uh, to God's end. But that's the danger with any art, right? that we make it an end in itself rather than an art that God has given us uh, so as to better understand Him and to do as He would have us do in this world, to glorify Him by serving others. You know, so, so when, when for particularly out in your neck of the woods, or your, your, your West Coast, you've got Silicon Valley basically trying to plan these utopias with technology, uh, you're going to try to chasten that view of your students, right? Right, because we, we can, in Christ, be redemptive, mm-hmm. but it's in Christ. But no. we can't redeem the world in and of ourselves. Uh, this has been the utopian failure of, of all modern enterprises. Uh. Fascinating, fascinating. Well, we're talking with Dr. Uh, David Corbin of Providence Christian College. If you'd like to call with your question, 631-955-5400. But for now, a brief message from those bringing you today's visit to the pastor's study. A visit to the pastor's study is brought to you each week at this time by the Orthodox Presbyterian Churches in Metropolitan New York and Connecticut. Our local congregations are in East Haddam, Connecticut. That's Harvest Orthodox Presbyterian Church. And in Hamden, Connecticut, that's Westminster Orthodox Presbyterian Church, the Orthodox Presbyterian Church in Mount Vernon, and then also a congregation in Queens and Fresh Meadows, Reformation Presbyterian Church. Here on Long Island, you'll find Orthodox Presbyterian Churches in Franklin Square, and in Syosset, that's Trinity Church, and then the Orthodox Presbyterian Church in Bohemia, New York. These aren't the only faithful churches in our area, but they're ones that we can commend to you, and we would encourage you to visit them if you don't already have a local church. We also encourage you to visit our website. 
visitthepastorstudy.org. That's all one word, visitthepastorstudy.org, where you'll find archives of all of the programs and what we call these magazine articles for the ear. Again, that's visitthepastorstudy.org. And I always appreciate your emails. You can email me at visitpastorbill at gmail.com. That's visitpastorbill at gmail.com. Questions you have about the program or about anything else connected with the work, I invite them. And now, back to today's edition of A Visit to the Pastor's Study. I ought to take a moment now to welcome our one of our new outlets for a visit to the pastor's study, our radio station KTIA, that's 99.3 FM in Des Moines, Iowa. So if you're in that area, you can get 99.3 FM KTIA. We encourage you to, to tune in to a visit to the pastor's study there and the other fine programming. Also, we do want to give thanks to Redeemer Broadcasting for uh, simulcasting a visit to the pastor's study each week, uh, to First Love Radio for replaying the program the week later, and and then also to Grace Radio in Modesto, California, for airing the program there. We're thankful for this increasing number of outlets for the program. Guest today, Dr. David Corbin of Providence Christian College. We're talking about Christian College Curriculum, 631-955-5400. For your call-in questions, or 516-367-0391 for those texted questions. But Dr. Corbin, you've already gotten another one to answer. Uh, it had to do with what uh, what people should look for in a Christian college and maybe even what to ask when they make their visit to the campus? Sure. Uh, I'd say four things. Uh, first and foremost, theological commitment uh, from the board to the administration to the faculty and the staff. Uh, if there is a great theological commitment, if there's a clear idea as to where the college is theologically, that's a good first step. But additionally, I think there are three things that any parent and student ought to look for. Curriculum, faculty, and students. Mm. Curriculum. You have to have a strong core. Uh, Going back to something that you said earlier, you can't make the college experience an a la carte experience as to what feels good for you. If you truly have a recognition because of past history, study, etc., as to what a curriculum looks like, you ought to place that out for students, and you you ought to ask of them that they take on these important subjects in the liberal arts that allows their mind to actually deliberate it so as to uh, think of themselves in terms of what they can do for God's glory. But second, faculty. It's the most important thing. If you have faculty members who care more about their research than being in the classroom, then that college has a problem. With the best curriculum, if you don't have solid faculty in there, faculty who don't see their students as consumers, Don't see their students as soulless, but see that everything that's going on in the classroom is part of an internal enterprise. Everything they say has an effect on that um, student's moral universe. So encouraging a student in in that way and really kind of wanting to be in the classroom. And then third of all, the other students that are there. Are you at a college where students just kind of want to get by? Or are you at a college where students actually think of themselves as being part of a greater enterprise? Right Uh, at, At Providence Christian, we have them... I don't have them, but we encourage them to sign up uh, what's called the Providence Promise, in which you know, there's a community, a covenant there as to who we want to be as a people when we go out into the world. Theologically driven, right? good faculty, good curriculum, solid student body, those are the things to look for. And, and unfortunately, that's not what people do, Pastor yeah. Bill. They go to U.S. News and World Reports, they, they go to a campus and take a look at the architecture. All of that is nice, 
right? But it's the character of what's going on in the curriculum, the faculty, and the students that matter. Yeah, yeah it's a, a couple of things. I don't want to, you mentioned the U.S. News and World Reports, and there's other things, but, but, but just a comment, because we work through those with, with uh, five, six of our children, and, and one of the things that, that was really illuminating for, for me and whatever child I was with is, number one, visiting the classroom, sitting at permission, but sitting in on the classes, and also, interestingly, looking at what was on the bulletin boards in the school. That was often very, very, very revealing, to say the least. Yeah, you mentioned um, these these college ranking books, and the, the one I think of, as you do, is the U.S. News and World Report thing that comes out every year. Uh, what? Uh, how valuable are those are those things? There are value if you want to know where prestige is, but if you want to know where principle is, it's a different thing. <laughs> so you, you can go down and you can say, okay, this amount of alum contribute to the college. This is the acceptance rate. Uh, this is how much tuition is. Uh, you can go through all those factors that are used by U.S. News and World Report. But is that going to tell you what's going to happen from moment one when your uh, child gets there to when they leave during commencement? No, it's not going to tell you anything. It's going to tell you that a lot of people, right, who are in, um, you know, kind of very uh, connected circles, went to a college. A lot of them had a good vocabulary before they got there. But did they grow between moment one and when they left? Or were they given that same curriculum that I was criticizing before as an a la carte, do whatever feels best? So that wasn't the case when I was at the King's College. I believe that we swung way beyond our weight at the King's College in New York City. Because we asked something more of students. We cared about how much they grew from moment one to the end of their time there. And that's what's happening at Providence Christian. And that's what, you, as you said, a parent ought to be looking for when they're out of college campus. Is that what, what the college cares about? Or do they care about those rankings more than they care about the, uh, the actual outcomes of yeah, what happened to the student's soul over that time? Yeah, yeah I, th- I think... Uh... I noticed in, in looking at the Providence Christian College website, you emphasized the importance of forming disciples. And I think it's so important for, for parents and students to keep in mind, every school forms disciples. The question is of who or what, what who's the one you're being a disciple of? Um, yeah, interesting, the, 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 on the rankings. Dr. Corbin, let's go back to something that you mentioned. You mentioned the great books. Um, maybe tell people, when you think of the great books, what do you think of? Why are they great? And how do they relate to a Christian college curriculum, especially when many of them, at least the ones I'm thinking of, weren't even written by Christians? It's an incredibly important question, and I'll answer it this way. For me, the greatest book that I've taught over the last 10 or 15 years is Tocqueville's Democracy in America. Why is that a great book? Why is, an, why is it an essential book for students to read in college? Well, Tocqueville had his doubts as a believer. Uh, we never quite, uh, by the end of his life, figure out where he is. But what did he do in that book? He took on the powers that were at play in the world in his day because of his great greatness, because of his individual greatness, because of his desire to keep men at liberty so they could be open to things like the life of the mind, or to uh, the recognition of the transcendent uh, or of God, so that while he may not have gotten there personally, his contribution is a great contribution because it undercuts 
so many philosophies that are present there in early modernity that are trying to reduce man to simply material, are trying to tell him just care about your material existence. So I think a great book does that. A great book challenges the status quo of the time. And when that status quo is in rough shape, as our status quo is today, we're in need of that greatness. We're in need of that transcendence. Now, great books can be dangerous if that transcendence right, drives you away from God. You're so, you're so beyond the horizon of ever, anything that you believe you're a God unto yourself. But I think, I think we're in need. We're especially in need of great books in the 21st century uh, in our age that tends to kind of stamp down uh, people kind of create carbon copies of each yeah, other and materialize yeah. things, etc. Yeah, it's interesting. Of course, the greatest book we all agree is the Bible, the Word of God. Doctor uh, Doctor Corbin is speaking primarily in his field. Just a, a, a book note because I also am a big fan of Tocqueville's Democracy in America. That, as you know, there's the, now the definitive translation from the French in print that's a little bit easier to read than some of these others, and that's the one I would I would commend to you. But, okay, so what, what are some, some other great books? I mean, I think of Augustine's The City of God. What are some of the yeah. others that you think of? Sure. Uh, so the, uh, the City of God, Machiavelli's Prince, great book. <laughs> a devilish book, yeah. but an incredibly important book to read. Well, why? Um, he's undercutting institutions at that time that are corrupt. He's making a case against their corruption. Now he's going to replace them with a secular philosophy that becomes very dangerous. Right? But knowing what he's doing allows us to understand right, how men have manipulated one another uh, over time. Plato's Republic, a great book. Aristotle's Politics. I mean, you mentioned Augustine's City of God. These are books that everyone should read. Shakespeare's Corpus. I'm a, I'm a Shakespeare scholar. It, these, these books that really tangle with the seminal questions of life that awaken you to more than simply, you know, what are you going to hashtag today? What's on Instagram today? Uh, These books that that breathe life into the mind, right, I think, rather than draw it down. You've already given me a great idea for another program for down the line. We'll talk. We'll talk about that one later. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit more about about Providence Christian College. What, what are your big goals as vice president for academic affairs at Providence Christian College? I'm kind of wondering what. Now you've been there how many years, Doctor Corbin? Three months. So I yeah. Oh, I, I just okay. Came on board July first. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I'm, I'm a newbie. Oh, um, all right. Uh, so, wow, in three months, what have been some of your challenges? And so what have you learned over your years of working on these things? Well, I, I think that the first thing you have to do whenever you get to a place is, is try as much as possible to figure out the tone, to figure out the culture and the spirit of the place. I mean, I, I had some assumptions as to how I thought it would be when I got there, but it's, I've been incredibly pleased to you know meet colleagues who, you know, they don't just say one thing and do another. They're really kind of uh, in it, invested in the institution. I think the first thing that um, uh, that I saw there is that there was really kind of an opportunity to craft um, at Providence Christian a curriculum that did emphasize uh, this this kind of trivium structure of grammar, logic, rhetoric. That did have these courses, these basic humanity humanities courses, philosophical, political, and economic thought, uh, civilization and culture in America. Uh, uh, pre-modern and modern civilization and culture, these kind of these, these classes that I think are essential, in addition to something that's, that's lacking in a lot of colleges, and that is classes on, um, on entrepreneurship or innovation, uh, getting the, the, the mind to kind of think uh, more creatively. That was kind of step one, and I think 
you know, the hope in the future is that we can attract the best um, reformed uh, teacher that we can to, to build out this curriculum. And, and we don't need to be size X. We just want to do what we do uh, well. And, and, then, and, and we hope, we, we, we pray for all the other colleges that we think are doing things well out there. But if we can have our, our place here in California and draw from people all across the country who kind of want to experience um, life here and help us work on this project, I think then we would be very content uh, with, with doing that. Yeah, you say a reformed teacher. What do you mean by that? So in our, in our basic application to become a professor um, at Providence Christian, uh, we, we ask people, you know, how, how did you get to where you are? Um, do, you, do you believe in these confessions? And, and uh, we don't have absolute uniformity, but broadly within the Reformed tradition, that's what we're looking for, because you know, it, it is a recognition, right, of creation, fall, and redemption that someone who may not be Reformed doesn't have. Well, so well, that's going to have uh, an uh, influence. Yeah, and also, I mean, it, really, it's the basic commitment, whether you, whatever you do, you're, you're to do it under the lordship of Christ and to his glory, right? Exactly. Yeah, interesting. So, okay. yeah, so that's, I mean, so we begin there, and, and other colleges don't do that, but that's, that's where we are. But we believe that there are so many talented, reformed people out there who could be teaching at a college like ours, and, and we can't wait uh, until they come to, until God brings them to uh, our door. And, and that's what we'd hope to do, and, and then along with students, and, and have this curriculum and then just do our best, you know, with, with those three parts in place, all held together by our theological commitment. Now, now you, I want to go back. I, I, I want to talk about uh, Providence Christian College a bit more. Uh, but we, we talked about liberal arts a lot. Um, and, and that, if people even understand what they mean by that, it gets a bad rap in our day. Tell us what you mean by, by liberal arts and, and how do they relate to a, a distinctively Christian curriculum? Right, so the liberal arts are properly defined amount to an education for a free person. So an education for a free person is an education for uh, someone who has a soul. So they were an education that weren't necessarily technical in nature, although you know we are to practice techniques that allow us to be sustained, but um, an education that liberates the mind, that, that turns the mind upward uh, from where it is, so that it can see transcendent beauty and truth and goodness. So how, I mean, that, that aligns perfectly, I think, with Christianity in the sense that uh, we're to do the same as we lift our heads toward Him, and we see in Him, right, the source of all truth and all beauty, right, that His sovereignty over all things is what um, allows those things to be. And so I, I think that we can, uh, that combination of a liberal arts education and that theological commitment, uh, that, that's, that's the marvelous combination that, that, that you're looking for. And, and I, I think that, uh, unfortunately, in some places, those things are seen as antithetical to one another, but I don't, I don't think that they have no, to be. No, well, again, I think it's probably because we've, we've moved away from the unified, the reference points of God himself. I thought so often, when he was a pastor, would work with students with artistic skills, something, <laughs> something I don't have. I said, this is a reflection of, of the God who is the great artist in, in what he does. I mean, on a, on a basic level, we'd, we'd say that. Okay, so now well, let me pin you down on this. What, what specific or even unique benefits will students and maybe even their parents get from Providence Christian College? 
the, the, the unique experience that you will get there is you will be known by every person at the college. Uh, you will be embraced uh, by every person at the college, from the registrar to every faculty member that you encounter to every student that you encounter. We are, we are a community. We're small. Right? We have a couple hundred students. Our aim is not to be 5,000 students. It's to be um, much like that community that you have in, in a church the size of 150, 200, where you know what another's needs are. You're lifting the other person up. You're driving the other person forward. So I think that's a distinctive thing, and, and I, I, that's what I enjoyed about the King's College also. It was small enough that it became large. Well, not to mention the fact that out in your area you've got so many faithful churches where the students can, can attend. Okay, in your remaining seconds, give us the contact information for Providence Christian College. If you go to providencecc.edu, uh, you'll there be taken to our academics page, our admissions page. Uh, please, and, and um, look me up, dcorbin at providencecc.edu. If you have any questions, if you have a son or daughter who's 14 to 18, Call me, email me. Um, I'll be there to to take uh, your message, and I'd love to talk with you. Yeah, and you, they'll get your email address as well on on the Providence uh, the Providence Christian College website. Hey, thanks thanks to Dr. David Corbin for being with us from uh, out in the well the, today from the vineyards of of Northern California, but otherwise from uh, Providence Christian College in Pasadena, California. Let, let's take a moment for uh, our. Our weekly counsel from the pastor's study. Uh, this is actually our second program on Christian higher education. I'd urge you to listen to the first one, uh, The Benefits of a Christian College, uh, with Dr. Mark Hidgley, who is the provost of the school in, in, which, uh, in which Dr. Corbin taught for many years, the King's College uh, here in, in New York City. Uh, one of the questions that comes up as we talk about Christian college education, or any college education, is the cost. But let me urge you in my uh, counsel from the pastor's study to think first, not in terms of cost, but investment. And in fact, your most important one, your investment in your child or your children, because your child or your children, like you, are going to live or die forever. How are you investing in their eternity? You see, you do that well, and your children will be eminently useful in this life and also prepared for eternity. But if you only prepare your children for this life, uh, that's a poor investment, uh, because what will happen after this life ends for them? Now, with all investments, there's no easy answers. There are no formulas, especially in your working with special needs children. Um, the question to ask, though, is how do I invest in my child to make him or her most useful in this life and also prepared for eternity. Well, just some suggestions. Number one, obviously, pray for wisdom. Wisdom is how you act in a given situation. Uh, the Apostle James in chapter 1 and verse 5, one of our most well-worn promises in the Bible, says if you lack wisdom, he'll give it to you liberally and he won't upbraid you. He knows that we need to know how to wend our way through this world walking in the fear of God. So always, always Pray for wisdom regarding the education of your children. And then do consider each of your children individually. Uh, the proper interpretation of Proverbs 26, 22, 6, 
uh, so often translated, train up a child in the way he's go, he shall go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. Well, that, that's not always true in life. Better translation, train up a child according to his or her own way. How has God made that child? Each of your children is like a flower that's a, a bud, and we don't know whether it will come out as a chrysanthemum or as a, as a daisy or whatever, but you, you, you train each child individually as God has made him under obviously certain basic principles. That's a gloriously liberating truth. And then number three, remember with your children, it's not a decision for Jesus, but forming disciples of Jesus, and that, that discipleship is, in fact, reflected in day-by-day decisions for Jesus, living under his lordship. Fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the child training and admonition of the Lord, as the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 6 and verse 4, a very rich study in the scriptures, and that's what that means, bringing them up in the child training, which is basically correction by discipline and instruction, which is essentially speaking to the mind uh, in a way that appeals to the heart. Um, so uh, not decisions, a decision for Jesus, but disciples of Jesus. And parents, never stop with your children, uh, young children. Children, they they invest time in them and, and teaching them and being examples of to them so that you can say, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. With older children, with young adults, you still invest, but you're kind of moving from being a teacher to a mentor. And with those grown children, you're still investing in them. You move, as it were, from a mentor to, to being a coach to those adult children. And number five, keep praying, folks. You never stop praying for your children. In fact, you pray harder as they get older, especially praying for new hearts for them. The Lord says, a new heart I will give you. Uh, You see, as it were, you and God together form disciples under his sovereignty. And in doing that, you're forming them for their greatest genuine happiness for this life and for the life to come. Hey, parents, how are you investing in your child's eternity? Thanks to Dr. David Corbin, Vice President for Academic Affairs at Providence Christian College, Pasadena, California. Check out their website. It's great. Providence CC, Providence CC, as for Providence Christian College, dot edu, and you'll find out more about the school. We appreciate your feedback or your questions. You can email me. Love to get your emails. Visit pastorbill at gmail.com, or you can call me in my study. Uh, you'll get my electronic secretary, but I'll get back to you, 516-593-1507, if you'd like to uh, call my own real study and chat, or again, email me at visitpastorbill at gmail.com. Hey, tomorrow's the Lord's Day. Be sure to part, set apart time to worship the Lord in a church faithful to the Word of God. Hey, and don't forget, everyone needs a pastor. You've been listening to A Visit to the Pastor's Study, a ministry of Reformation Metro New York. Our website is www.reformationmetrony.org. Again, that's www.reformationmetrony.org. For more information on the program, check out our website at www.visitthepastorsstudy.org. That's www.visitthepastorsstudy.org. Listen in next week at 12 noon for another edition of... A visit to the pastor's study. Remember, everyone needs a pastor.